This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ so whether you're doing laundry or cooking a meal maybe you're fixing cars because that's your job you're at work fixing cars or you have an office job rather than complaining rather than worrying about what everybody else is or isn't doing or what you would rather be doing Find a way to give thanks to the Lord and remember that it is the Lord that you serve. See, all of these things become an act of worship, acceptable worship, if we have the right attitude about them. You know, everything you do in life, be it work or school or errands or even hobbies, should point people to the Lord. No matter how unimportant something might seem, the Lord can still use it to point people to Him and reach more for His kingdom. You'll get to see today with Pastor Troy that God can work a miracle in your life to reveal himself, or it might be as simple as praying for someone you see. The question is whether or not you let God work through you and bring him glory in everything you do. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John chapter 12 as he begins his message, Do You Love the Lord? We're in John chapter 12 now, verses 1 through 11. The title is, Do You Love the Lord? Love looks different. Of different people, you know. Um, I remember pulling in behind a couple, never met them or anything, but I remember pulling in behind them and you could see their silhouette. And at the stoplight, I don't know what they were doing, but they just sort of got real close and started doing this to each other's face. I don't know what that was all about. All I could think of is, um, did you guys see Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? And you're my little choochie face, my uchi witchy kuchi, yeah. I didn't know what that was all about, but they, that was their love language for one another, you know. Uh, who knows what names were going back and forth. So love can look a little different in a family and amongst each other. We all have um, a different love language. The book was written, The Five Love Languages, and uh, it's kind of eye-opening if you didn't realize that. If you just thought everybody should love like you, then you realize, oh... Some people, gifts make them feel loved, or quality time, and this is important because if gifts make you feel important and you're just giving gifts all the time, you're kind of using up your money and you're wondering, why don't they get that I love them? But they don't know you love them because they need quality time and you're so busy making money for all the gifts to give to them that they don't have quality time and they don't feel loved. Although the truth is you're doing everything you can because you love them. And so there can be a huge miscommunication. So again... Do you love the Lord? One thing that's true is it is going to look a little different from all of us and between us and Him. So I had a succession of questions. One is, do you love the Lord? Two is, do you serve the Lord? Three, and this is different levels of different types of relationships that there might be out there or levels. Would you consider yourself neutral concerning the Lord? 
Like, yeah, I appreciate him. I like him. I, you could say I love him, I guess, but I, I don't really care. I don't want to be a fanatic. So uh, for whatever that's worth, that would be neutral. Um, or maybe you just want to pretend that he doesn't exist. Someone drug you to church today, and you'd rather just pretend he doesn't exist at all. Well, today, we're going to look at a few different relationships. These were all good ones, but a few different relationships with the Lord. And in doing that, we're going to touch on dangerous discipleship or the dangers of discipleship um, and divine stewardship and deceptive censorship. Uh, These are all the products of having a relationship, some kind of relationship with the Lord. See, we all have our own relationship with him, but even if you hate him, it's still a relationship with him. Uh, Even if you want to pretend he's not there, it's still a relationship with him. It's a relationship. Think of any parent you may have known whose child doesn't want to have anything to do with them or pretends they don't exist. The relationship is still there. But that's the relationship that person has chosen. And trust me, our Father wants a relationship with us. He hurts. He longs for a close, intimate relationship with us. And he does what he can to get all the things, all the distractions out of the way so that we can have that relationship with him. Well, today we're going to look at a few good relationships. We all want to make sure that the relationship that we do have with him, though they're all very different, that they are healthy relationships with the Lord. And so that's our question for us today. Is our relationship with him a good one, and is it a healthy one? So we pick up after Lazarus has been raised. Lazarus is raised from the dead. Jesus obviously commanded him to be raised, and he was raised, giving evidence that Jesus has that kind of authority. And there are some who are a little ruffled by this. They don't want evidence that Jesus has got this kind of authority. They don't want Jesus to be proved to be worthy of all of these followers. And so, since they've been ruffled, guess what's going on? Jesus is getting moved that much closer to being on the cross, crucified, because their anger is rising. It's going to get worse, their anger towards him, and they know that they've got to get rid of this guy. And that's a relationship, too. Got to get rid of him. So let's look at verse 1. Then, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. The whole house was filled with this fragrance. So first, let's talk about diverse relationships. There are some different relationships with the Lord. This is a large party, um, at least 17 people we know. Matthew's gospel tells us this, this takes place at the home of Simon the leper, who obviously was a former leper who had been healed by the Lord. There are 12 disciples, so there's 12. I mean, when Jesus went anywhere, there's going to be at least 12, and then him, 13. So there's 12 disciples plus five more. Jesus, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and then Simon, who's the host. It's at his home. So that's at least. So this is a significant time together, and there are lots of different relationships with the Lord. We see mentioned here, highlighted, three individuals. And all three of these guys are related to one another. They're expressing their love and their appreciation for the Lord in different ways. They have a different relationship with him. There's Lazarus, who's mentioned here. He's sitting with Jesus. We could call that quality time. 
Then there's Martha, who served Jesus. She's serving. Then there's Mary, who pours out oil upon Jesus' feet. All these individuals are relating to the Lord in some way, and from their heart, with all of their heart. So let's talk about Lazarus first. Lazarus. Lazarus was very close to Jesus, obviously. Um, you know, John will always write about himself, the one Jesus loved. But remember, when they went to Jesus to say, hey, Lazarus is sick, they also said about Lazarus, hey, Lazarus, the one you love is sick. Ja- Lazarus was someone that Jesus certainly loved and someone who loved Jesus with all of his heart. Lazarus spent a lot of time with Jesus. Jesus, when he would come into town, he'd stay at Bethany very often with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So they had lots of time to communicate. There were plenty of opportunities for there to be something recorded about what Lazarus may have said or may not have said. But did you know that in all of the relationship that they had, there's nothing in the scriptures recorded about what Lazarus ever said? None of Lazarus' words are ever said or ever recorded. It could be that Lazarus wasn't a man of many words. He didn't have to say much. He just liked being there, being around, being around the Lord. Didn't say much, but when he would say something, it was important. But other than that, he wasn't a big talker. We know one thing. If he did do a lot of talking, none of it was recorded. And Lazarus here represents the silent witness. There are those who don't talk a lot. They don't need to be in public. They don't want to be in the front. They don't want to have a microphone, all of that. And yet, you look at them, and their life is different. Their life is transformed. They become a witness, an obvious witness that there is a God who changes lives. They're a good representative. He was very close. He was always often around Jesus, yet none of his words are recorded. The people who come to this dinner, well, the ones who are invited are inside, but there are others who are coming just to catch a glimpse of Lazarus. They're not here just for Jesus. They want to see Lazarus because this Lazarus has now become evidence of the power of Jesus. And so they're concerned. They don't want people to believe in Jesus, and this Lazarus has now become proof that Jesus is who he claims to be. He's a testimony to the power of Jesus. Now, Lazarus was not such a powerful witness because of anything he said. That would be recorded. God said, that was something that future generations need to hear. There is none of that from Lazarus. Lazarus was such a powerful witness because people could see in him that there is a God who raises the dead, that Jesus is able to raise the dead and renew and transform lives. Lazarus represented that, and they hated it. He was quiet But his relationship with the Lord was very, very obvious and noticeable. Then there's uh, him, you might be able to call his time sitting at the table with the Lord, quality time. Then there's Martha. What she's doing is what Martha always does. You know what Martha does, right? Serves. She's serving, and she's serving here also. Now, some like to fault Martha because she's always doing. But that's who she was. She wasn't being something that she wasn't. This is who she was. And it wasn't legalism on Martha's part. That's just her love language. She served. She served. She did. You can just imagine Jesus is going to come into town. And for Martha, she thinks, Jesus likes this. And Jesus is like, I'm going to prepare this. I'm going to get the whole menu together. And I'm going to prepare Jesus' favorite meal when he comes. That was a Martha. That was Martha's mentality. And that was from Martha's heart. It wasn't legalism. It was serving the Lord. 
and was serving the Lord with all of her heart. And you know, I believe Jesus loved it. I believe Jesus loved Martha's heart and loved everything Martha did to do the best she could to pour her heart out for him. Martha made her mistakes. We'll talk about it a little bit in the future here. Actually, let's talk about it now because there's a change in Martha. A change has taken place in Martha because remember several months earlier, and this is the event I was going to allude to, several months earlier she was in the same scenario where she's serving and Mary was where Mary is today, at Jesus' feet. She was at Jesus' feet then and Mary's at Jesus' feet again here today, but with anointing oil, you know, some perfume this time. Pastor Troy will return soon with the second half of today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. If you're enjoying the teachings of Pastor Troy Neely and would like more information about this program, we invite you to visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. There, you'll find an archive of previous messages from the verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the books of the Bible. We'd also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, as you'll be able to gain access to the latest teachings as soon as they're posted. That website, again, is buildingonthesolidrock.com. We're blessed to be a part of your life through the teachings of this program, and we pray you're blessed as you continue to tune in. Now, back to Pastor Troy with more of today's message. Back then, a few months ago, Martha was serving, doing something good, preparing the meal, but she was also complaining. So she would go out to Jesus, hey, she's not even helping. Tell them to help out. And she was complaining. She was worried about what everybody else was or wasn't doing. And she wasn't just doing from her heart what she wanted to do, which is from her heart, serve, prepare the meal. But she was worried about what everybody else was doing. But Martha has changed. She's not doing that this time. She's still serving. Mary's still at Jesus' feet. Lazarus is at the table sitting. But something has changed in Martha's heart so that she's not worried about what everyone else is doing. She's still able to offer her sacrifice and her worship and her service, but now she's doing it without all the grumbling and complaining, not worrying about everyone else. Maybe Lazarus' death, although he's been raised, they went through the whole emotional experience, maybe experiencing Lazarus' death, and this can do this, gave her some perspective about what's important. You know, there's not enough time to start arguing about every little thing. You know, life is too short. And so I'm doing something out of the abundance of my heart. I'm going to offer it, and I'm going to be blessed by the Lord because I'm going to enjoy him eating my meal. I'm going to enjoy this rather than worrying about what everyone else is or isn't doing. Martha was learning that, and it looks like she was doing much better here. She's expressing her worship through her work, through her service. In fact, this is exactly what the Bible says that we should do, how we should treat everything that we do, as if we're worshiping the Lord or offering it to the Lord or doing it as unto the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 say, and whatever you do, whatever means whatever, everything, whatever you do, and whatever you do, do it heartily. That means with your whole heart, be fully in. As to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So, whether you're doing laundry or cooking a meal, maybe you're fixing cars because that's your job, you're at work fixing cars, or you have an office job, rather than complaining, rather than worrying about what everybody else is or isn't doing or what you would rather be doing, 
Find a way to give thanks to the Lord. And remember that it is the Lord that you serve. See, all of these things become an act of worship, acceptable worship, if we have the right attitude about them. We've got to have the right attitude about them or we're just going to be complainers and we're going to be pointing fingers at other people and thinking ourselves to be better than we actually are. I remember there was a woman who, um, she never really knew how to cook and she didn't grow up with a close family. And so as she grew up, she got married, had a family of her own. Her husband worked and, you know, kids were getting a little bit older. It was expensive. You know, it was just her and him going out to eat was not all that expensive and they could afford it. Then it got expensive, too expensive. Well, she's got time. So she thought, well, I've never cooked. I don't really, I never thought about it. I didn't want to. But so she started making an effort, you know, made all the mistakes, you know, people going, that's good, honey. Yeah. But she gave her offering to the Lord and was able to provide for her family and learn to enjoy that time with the Lord. It was something God had given her. I'm not talking about the cooking. I'm talking about the family. And so part of her service was, you know, I need to do this because this is what God has given us and I need to offer this to the Lord. And because her attitude changed, she actually um, hung a sign in her kitchen that said, divine service rendered here three times daily. Because, see, she let it become part of her worship. You see, guys, that's worship. It's not just all the flowery stuff, turn on the song and cry because it touches your heart. That's connection and a form of worship. But this is the sacrifice of praise. This is the sacrifice that's acceptable to God. This is worship, and it's practical. Every day, we have opportunities to worship the Lord when we get up, when we go to work. The way we treat our spouse or our children or others around us is a sacrifice and an opportunity to worship the Lord, to remember that it's Him that we serve. Speaking about worship, Mary is not to be outdone. She busts out the perfume today. A jug, in fact, it's a jug of perfume. It's called Oil of Spikenard. And it was a very, very costly oil which came from India. It was usually only used by the wealthy because they were the only ones who could afford it. And they would use it for their baths, limited, and for burial, you know, uh, the spices for burial, which is one of the reasons that she had acquired this, in fact, as we'll see in just a moment. Verse 3 says, uh, it was very costly. And according to Judas, in verse 5, it could have been sold for 300 denarii. Now, just for round numbers and to understand how much this jug of perfume was, and I'm talking a little spritzer of it, it's, you know, it's a good jug, $50,000. Now, can you imagine, I can tell you right now, we have no perfume in our house, $50,000. We don't even have a gallon of perfume, so we have little spritzers there. Our perfume, you buy one, it lasts four lifetimes. You know, like, all four of us run under it. <laughs> oh, it's the Neely scent. <laughs> all right, everybody got some? Okay, good, 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 good. Saving some money. There are ways to save, guys. <laughs> so, here's the thing. Here's a woman who has something that is very, very costly. Very costly. But she's pouring it out on the Lord's behalf, and she's not worried about the cost. That's amazing. She's obviously not an administrator. The people in the room, they're not surprised that she's using it. They're surprised how lavishly she's using it. And for her, Mary, the cost doesn't seem to matter. 
Mary is one of those that seems that um, touch, affection is important to her, and maybe gift-giving, gifts. This is something very valuable to her. When she hears Jesus is going to die, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, why she even has this stuff, she gets something very expensive, a gift, and she wants to pour it out on the Lord's behalf. It's for him. It's to honor him. It's about him. And so she doesn't think about it. She doesn't think twice about it because that's her heart. So you have three grateful hearts who value different things, and each of them are offering those things to the Lord. Each relationship different, not better than the other, different from the other, and each sacrifice very different. Lazarus is giving quality time. He could say, I got some work to do. I got to get some work done. I can see Jesus anytime. He's my friend. Let some of the others be around him, but I've got work to do. But he gives full attention, full time. He's right there, right in the center where he can't be, like sitting in the front row of church. You know, he's not going anywhere. They're right, David. <laughs> he's not going and then there's Martha, who's giving service. She's serving the Lord. And then there's Mary with gifts and affection. Here's a point we need to get from this, at least where we're at right now. We all need to allow the differences in us to exist and be okay with it. We're all different. We worship the Lord differently. Our homes are different in the way our families coordinate and cooperate and the love is displayed. Just make sure it's love. And just make sure that you love the Lord and that it is a healthy relationship. Not one where you just say, well, I can worship the Lord by going out and looking at mountains and I worship the Lord. Well, that's good. You can. Anything you look at out there that God made should inspire you, but it's not healthy and it's not helpful. It's isolating. And the Bible talks about the one who isolates themselves, that they're usually up to no good, that they don't like to blend in because they don't like to compromise. They like to isolate. I want to be with my thoughts and my way and my family and me. And so the scripture says you be careful of those who are always isolating themselves. He's created us a family, a godly family. So we need to be okay with the differences. And it's for our own health, for our health and the health of others. Someone once said, a whale is as unique as a cactus, but don't ask the whale to survive in Death Valley like a cactus. So it went on to say, we all have special gifts. Where we use them and how we use them determines whether we are actually able to complete something or not. We can't force people to love the Lord and to serve the Lord and do like we do. It doesn't necessarily have to look exactly like us. We all have something different to offer the Lord. And we never know where someone's at on the journey either. You know, for you, yes, just showing up on Sunday, God may be asking more of you. But for someone else, just getting to church on Sundays consistently might be the challenge for them. So don't go, they're not here at this event and these things and this. Look, but they are moving the right direction. They are trying. They are trying to grow in the Lord. And it's enough right now. Oh, I said, you know, it's not about how much someone is doing for the Lord. It's the direction they're walking. If we're moving closer to him, hearing his voice and doing the things that he wants us to do, then that's good, no matter where we're at on the path. But it's not good. Hey, I could be a pastor up here, and I could have all kind of internet things going on. You don't know about it yet. You will in three years after the fall, but right now you don't know. And I look really good. You don't know where someone's at or what's going on, but see, God does. 
God knows what's going on in a heart and what direction that heart's going. You may speak and go, oh, wonderful teacher. Oh, man of God. Oh, the prayers are so eloquent. God uses him only to find out in a couple of years he was doing this and that and watching this and, and involved in this relationship. And all that was going on during that time when they were the greatest. I say this because God knows what's going on in our hearts, in our lives, and that's what he looks for. The reality, not the appearance of things. So the question is, do you love him? Thanks for joining us today on Building on the Solid Rock. We hope you've learned some new things today as Pastor Troy taught through the Gospel of John. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We also have an archive of previous messages available to you free of charge, ready to be listened to online or even downloaded and shared with friends and family. We're so blessed to be a part of your life in this way, and we'd love to hear how you've been impacted by Building on the Solid Rock. Feel free to send us an email at info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We love being able to connect with our listeners in this way, and your feedback helps us continue to build this ministry. Next time, Pastor Troy will share more from the book of John and express additional examples of how Jesus proved he was unlike any other man that ever lived. Join us then, right here on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come.